hello and welcome to some guys art house movie guide is that the name of the show uh that's my understanding <laughs> uh hello and welcome uh i i'm chris and i'm anton and in this podcast uh we're going to uh talk about movies that anton hasn't seen well i've seen it now well, right, but you hadn't seen it before I told you to watch it. Yeah, that's the magic of movies. And Until you've seen it, you haven't seen it. To help Anton come to a better understanding of film theory and film criticism, I don't yeah, really re- know what this is. I'm, I'm really interested to see how this movie is meant to... Maybe I totally missed something. Uh, no, because you know why I picked it? Because I've seen this movie like two or three times over the past ten years, just and I just like it. I just like how it is. I like how it makes me feel when I watch it, and uh, I just it's. But I never thought of it as like, I, I I never really thought too much into the movie. I just watched it purely based on this is this is the events that happened, and right. then I didn't I didn't think about it at all. Um, and then last night I was watching it and I kind of have a new context for it. And it's actually a lot like the reason why I picked it is because I didn't know what this movie was supposed to mean or meant or if it meant anything at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think I have a newfound appreci- appreciation for it now. And I got a bunch of notes. I'm ready to go. What do you, what do you, what do you, what's, what? We'll start with uh, what is your what was your first impression of the movie? Which movie? Ariel. Oh yeah, I should probably <laughs> say uh, what is the movie that we're watching? Um, we are watching the 1988 film Ariel or Ariel. I don't know. All I know I is have this it... thing where I don't know how to pronounce things, <laughs> or I pronounce them slightly off. That's the trouble with uh, spelling words. That's true. Okay. Um, so this is the 1988 Aki Karismaki film, Ariel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess if you, let's let's go with what your. You don't have to give me your impression, but just re, just quickly recap what happens in the movie. Spoiler oh, okay. alert. This is my favorite part, actually, of the show. Yeah, well, because last time you talked for about a half hour, <laughs> basically going point by point of the entire Michael Haneke film, Benny's video, <laughs> and we really didn't get to any of the like what it meant till towards the end. But you had such a fun time recapping the whole movie. Um, I did verbally, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, which was just great. I don't know if that's like the point. <laughs> Yeah, so, Anton's favorite part, go. Okay. This is where I recap the entire movie, but at four one or four times the speed. So, if you don't want to watch it, you can just listen to this. Um, but it also, it helps me remember what were the things that I wanted to talk about. I guess I could take notes. That might help, mm-hmm. too. Um, but I, I also think if there is a listener who was to watch this, maybe as they hear us talk about the things that happened things would come up in their mind too about what it meant so right off the bat the guy the main character Tysto Tysto yes Tysto mm-hmm. uh, he's 
working in a mine, I think, and they throw a bomb down a hole and they blow it up. Is that what your understanding was? Yeah, something kind of happens. I actually didn't. It's when you're first settling into the movie, and I, I really didn't. <laughs> this is a great way to like talk about a movie that we're supposed to talk about, and not, <laughs> not fully paying attention in the first two minutes. Uh, I just kind of took it as the the factory goes under and they all lose their jobs. Like that's the point. Oh, interesting. Cause like. Yeah, they, there's no warm up in this movie. It's just like oh no, it just when goes. I'm, when I'm watching it on Criterion, it like starts playing, and I'm like, oh shoot, I gotta put it on the TV, and it's like in the movie right away, mm-hmm. and they're like walking around, and then they like throw a they bomb. They expect down you to be home. there, yeah. Oh yeah, the, I don't even remember where they're like title cards or anything. It's just like here we go. Yep. So they throw some bomb down the hole, and then Tysto, I'm pretty sure like just pulls a cigarette out and smokes it, which is like most of the movie is him pulling a cigarette out and putting it in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And it's it's clearly an ad for cigarettes that they just lengthened into a feature-length movie. <laughs> and then they shut the gate, I think, and I missed the caption at the bottom. Was, was it saying that the factory shut down or something? Yeah, closed. It was, there's title cards that said okay. like, Got mine it. closed or something okay so he was maybe part of the cleanup crew to shut down the mine and that's mm-hmm. why they blew it up all right yeah also before you get to the next part i have to apologize again because i'm like okay uh the last video was kind of kind of a downer kind of yes. gruesome kind of kind of hard to just sit through and soak in so i wanted a real palate cleanser and then we get to this next part and i'm like Oh, this movie isn't as funny as I thought it was. <laughs> you know, it's it's definitely a lot b- better. Uh, okay, it's totally a, maybe, it's better. Yeah, there's there's no question. There about are jokes. The, there, I feel like that it's visual jokes a lot mm-hmm, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he rarely writes dialogue. I mean, we'll get into more of his style uh, later. But um, got it. Go, go. You can keep going. Okay, so. Uh, it's. It looks like he's at a diner. Tysto is, and he's with an old man. I'm pretty sure it's his dad. His dad's like, "There's nothing left here." I assume maybe the mine was central to the town that they just shut down. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, "You should head south. Um, I know you really like the car, so you can have the car. None of the, your siblings did. I think was the, what was insinuated that maybe he had siblings that you never see. And and mm-hmm. he said like, you're." Your inheritance is the car, and I think he gets some money as his inheritance because he goes to a bank later. But I think uh, that was his last. Was was it his? Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I thought it was his last paycheck or something. Or uh, okay, that makes sense. So may- mainly the inheritance was the car from his dad. Then I guess I think so. Maybe there was money. Maybe it was money from I don't know. But he does get some money from the bank. Got it. And then his dad's like, uh, "Don't do what I'm gonna do," uh, and then just goes in the bathroom and shoots himself. <laughs> and I think Tysto kind of knew he was going to do that because he, unlike most people, when I go to the bathroom, I don't pull a gun out of my pocket and cock it. And he, yeah. his father did that. So I think his father was trying to indicate. Well, let's the audience know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The audience too. I mean, Everybody's it'd be a lot weirder it. if he walked into the bathroom without doing that. And then you just heard a gunshot and it's like, well, where'd he get the gun? Because audiences <laughs> yes. are stupid like that. And they're like, well, we don't know it. I wouldn't. You might not even think it was in the bathroom because you just hear a gunshot mm-hmm. off camera. 
Um, that's yeah. a very good point. Maybe they filmed that shot after test audiences saw it and had no idea what was going I, on. I'm pretty sure Aki Karazmaki doesn't have test audiences <laughs> for his hour and eight minute long movie. Got it. Yeah. So then, what are uh, they going to cut? <laughs> so then, Taisto, he doesn't seem all that shocked by it, and he goes in and looks and whatever. Then the next shot is him um, getting the car, which is out, he's like getting it out of a barn. It looks like it hasn't really been used recently. Um, and the car is this convertible. And this mm-hmm. is a kind of big gag in the movie is this convertible that right. is, it has the roof down. I wouldn't spoil it yet, though. Okay. And yeah, <laughs> don't spoil it in my. I feel like spoiler. there's something. I feel like the convertible. Right, I'll talk about it later. Okay. Yeah, I feel like there's something to it as well. So he gets the convertible. He goes to the bank. He gets the money, and then I assume he he heads south. He can't get the convertible's roof up, so he he wraps a scarf around his head, and he looks like a little old lady in like those mm-hmm. old Hollywood movies. Cause yeah, because it's glasses very on. cold outside. He can't get yes. the convertible up. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so there's a, a scene of him just driving through the wintry landscapes with the roof down, and he's got his scarf around his head and his sunglasses, and it, it is reminiscent of, like, old Hollywood movie mm-hmm. shots, I feel. Um, then he he uh, he goes and he buys a burger, and two uh, ruffian-looking guys come up to... They see his car and they see that he had a lot of money when he went to go buy the burger because he pulled out his giant envelope of money to buy the burger and or wallet or I don't remember what it was in. And he's sitting there in his car eating his burger and the two ruffians come up and they uh, say, nice egg. Uh, what kind of egg beater does this car have? It's a nice car. And I think this is kind of showing that like he's a little bit out of his depth because he's from the countryside and maybe not up to speed on the vernacular of egg beater and all that stuff. So he pops the hood, and as soon as he does, one of the ruffians, um, along, there's two, one tall guy and a shorter guy with long hair. The shorter guy with long hair cracks a bottle over his head. Something up? No, someone's just screaming outside the window. Oh. No, it is sure a, Keep going. It is the weekend. It's time yeah. to scream. Get out, get out there and scream. Um, so Taisto gets hit over the head. I think the next thing that happened um, was he wakes up and he's in a different location, but with the car there and the car's running. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seemed like maybe the the guys loaded him. And I assume that like they they go through all this effort to show the old man shoot himself with the gun. But then, like, no explanation how he gets out in this different location and the car's running in this other scene. <clears throat> so he just gets in the car and he continues to drive south, or I assume south. Um, and at this point, that's, I think, where they introduce the lady. Mm-hmm. I don't remember her name. And she is, she does so many different jobs. Like, yeah, every she's got a lot of jobs. Every time she's in a shot, she's doing some different job. And then in this shot, she's a, a meter maid or, or whatever, a, mm-hmm. a parking attendant. And she's going to give him a ticket. And he, I think he says, is there any way I can get out of it? And Yeah. And she very nonchalantly quits her job and throws yes. the... <laughs> she's yeah. like, a, I'm all right. I'm done with this. 
so the two of them, I believe, go out to dinner. And I forget what it was. They just oh, show two plates sliding through a thing, and then that's pretty much their dinner. Yeah. I forgot there's a whole part where he goes out to clubs, and he just gets really yeah. drunk and, there and falls is asleep. That, and there's also, I mean, we'll talk about it a little later. You know, he picks up as a day laborer for this one place, just throwing oh. bags on a pallet. Yes. Um, and then he find, he goes to the kind of the men's homeless shelter. It's not really a homeless shelter, but it's like they got beds for real cheap. And it's just this big room of single beds. Where yeah, I, guys I, that's a really go. big part. Um, yeah. Because when, when he goes to that day labor place or whatever, they uh, the foreman, I assume, comes up and is like, you folks, he, he picks out a few people by name. And says, you guys are on forklift. And then he comes to Tysto and says, uh, you can work today. And he's just picking up bags of something heavy and putting it on a pallet. At the end of the day, they pay him. And he said, where do I sign? And the foreman says, there is no signing. Basically, like, you're, I'm paying you under the table. He also finds a, a jacket mm-hmm. in a dumpster while he's working. <laughs> and it's a pretty nice jacket. And he puts it on, and while he's getting paid, uh, the the lady says, "Nice jacket. Where'd you get it?" I think. And he said, I, "Oh, I found it in a dumpster or something. Is it okay?" And she said, "Oh yeah, that belonged to a guy who died in a forklift accident today." Yeah, wearing a dead man's jacket. Got it. I mean, in some ways too, it's like it could have been him because he didn't get picked by the forklift uh, mm-hmm. to to work with the forklift people. Mm-hmm. Um. So it, it's clear that, that that place is maybe not a very um, OSHA-compliant place. Yeah, it's not. Because <laughs> it's in Finland, and I don't think they have OSHA in Finland. They probably have USHA have, or something different. Yeah, the Finnish version. Yeah. Um, uh, but it is important later, you know, they, he goes back there, and they're being carted off by the police. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they get the their owners of this place. Yeah. That's way later. I forget when oh, that yeah. happened. I think it's, yeah. Um, so, Tysto, yeah, he goes to that homeless shelter and he says, can I have a bed? And the guy says, do you want a bed or a mattress? And Tysto's like, what's the difference? And he's like, a bed is, is more expensive, but you get a sheet. <laughs> um, so, he buys the bed. Because so far, every time, it, it does seem like he's pretty loose with his money, Tysto. Mm-hmm. Um, buying well. burgers and stuff. Uh, yeah, and he's there's a, a the guy next to him in the bed has a big Jesus thing on the wall, and this I don't understand because maybe I'm I, if I was Finnish I would I would understand it, but um, I think that after the night where he meets the lady, he gets a picture and puts it up next to that um, Jesus picture, and it's of some guy. And I didn't know who the guy was, and I wondered if that had anything to do with this. Yeah, I'm not sure. If it meant something. But yeah, at some point, he meets the meter maid lady. They go out. They have a not-so-extravagant night on the town. And they come back, and she explains that she has a child already. And they're sitting in his convertible. And she says, I got a kid. And he says, that's okay. Can I come... Can I come up? And um, she says, you're really confident. 
are you always this way? And he's like, I am starting now. And Oh, not always. This is my first time. Yeah, that's exactly the line. Mm-hmm. Um, at least translated. I think it's... Um... Like I would, I would think that scene, the meter maid scene at first, where she's like, they kind of have this sparse, flirty dialogue. Yeah. Um, and other certain elements of it, and like even just the convertible, um, and not to get too ahead of ourselves because we're still recapping, but um, it is kind of this, uh, you know, film noirish uh, look of the outsider of society casted way yeah. kind of uh, view. But you can keep going. Yeah, and honestly, I really liked Taisto's attitude. He's just like, I'm here. I'm just going to mm-hmm. do something. I'm going to fill my time. Um, and he's he's generous, and he's a kind guy. Like, I rem- uh, jumping back in time a little bit, when he finishes work at the, the place where he just picks up bags, uh, he walks back to his convertible, and he sees a bunch of people listening to his radio, and he's not mad about it. They like clearly mm-hmm. took it out of his car and were listening to it and wasting his valuable batteries because he's a vagabond, I guess. And he walks up to them and they said, we borrowed your radio. And he's like, that's okay. Do you know where I can stay in this town? Next shot, they're all sitting in his convertible, like <laughs> seven guys in, with the radio. And I, I feel like that's part of the visual humor of this sh- movie. Yeah. It, it's like, it's just funny to see all those like, rough guys sitting in the car with him with the radio on their shoulder in a convertible. Um, but cutting back, uh, to the, where we were, uh, he and the lady sleep together, I assume. And I feel like they have really good chemistry for only having just met. I think the actress was really good. Like just the way she would look at him. It was Mm -hmm. like, just a really subtle when she would look at him it was just like i know we're supposed to be together kind of thing but like unspoken like you said there's not a lot of dialogue in the movie it just they just work and he's just like uh um she said i have a kid and he says cool that's a head start on a family and it's just like i don't care if you have a kid i'll I'll take what i can get kind of thing um and then my favorite scene of the movie is he wakes up and uh, to uh, the kid is pointing a gun in his face. He's in the, the lady's bed, and the kid has a gun pointed right at his face and says, come on, it's breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he gets out of bed with the gun pointed at him really cautiously, but not like not really all that scared. He's just like, all right, whatever, something to do, have a gun in my face from a little like five-year-old kid. And the kid takes him out and sitting on the couch, the kid eventually like puts the gun down and the guy grabs it and he looks and checks to see if it was loaded. I'm pretty sure. And, uh, it's a fun introduction to the kid, but he's not mad at the kid or anything. He's just like, Oh, he's a kid. Um, and I think he's endeared to him in a way after that, which was interesting. I don't know if I would be, if a little kid woke me up like that, I don't know know if i would feel the same way i'd be a little concerned (laughs) in the same way i feel like it's the moment where they won like he knows that like the that kid if he is going to be with that lady that kid's going to be in his life and 
he really won the kid over by not freaking out, I think. Yeah. By just playing along and being like, whatever, if, I don't care if you shoot me. Like, I'll just play well, your game. Well, they have a head start on raising a family, so he has to jump right in. Yeah, <laughs> and he, I think he does a magnificent job in my opinion he he doesn't yell at him he's just playing along but also make sure that uh it wasn't a life and death situation by checking the gun afterward um so at some point maybe right after this oh he goes home and this is where he like sees this there's a scene where he's walking home to his bed place and he grabs this painting or this photograph that's framed and he steals it and brings it back and puts it up next to the Jesus. And I didn't understand what that was about. Yeah, I actually don't remember. That wasn't, um, I mean, I remember it happening. I didn't really think about it too much. It probably is an other element to this, but. Yeah, I'd be really curious to know who that guy was that's in the picture because mm-hmm. maybe it lends a clue to what this movies trying to say uh so at some point he is oh he's out of money and he goes to the oh i think he was gonna go to work and this is where he sees them getting carted away and Mm -hmm. and meaning like now i don't have a job yeah uh, so he goes to work and he sees that the owners of the business are getting taken away. The ones who let a forklift death happen and pay people under the table. So he goes back to the shelter and they s- said, in order to stay here, you're going to need to pay. And he's like, I don't have any money. And, and the guy says, go get some. Um, so I think at some point, uh, oh, he, he goes to sell his car. Cause he needs money. So mm-hmm. he goes to the car dealership guy and the, the car dealership, he says, I want at least 20 grand for the car. Tysto says it. And the other guy says 6,500 is the best I can do. And Tysto's like, uh, are you kidding me? And the other guy's like, look, uh, you're not, nobody's going to give you a better deal for this junk. It's too old of a car. People want modern cars, which is an important thing because this comes yeah. up again later in the movie. So he does it. He sells the car. He gets his 6500 And now he doesn't have a car, so he goes to get on the subway. And that's when he sees the little, short, like long-haired guy who had cracked him over the head many, many scenes before who took all his money. So the short-haired guy immediately recognizes Tystone and is like, oh, shoot. And he runs off, but he gets cornered, and he seems fearful at first, and then he pulls a knife out, and then he's like, aha, now I got a knife. But Tysto's just like, whatever, and he just grabs his knife hand and <laughs> beats him up. And all of a sudden, of course, the police only see Tysto beating up the guy and not— Yeah, they uh, don't see the, the first part of the story or understand the history between them. Yeah, and I don't get the impression that Tysto even wanted to explain himself. Like, the next scene, he's in court, and... I know, but, like, I mean, think about, like, not to say this is the criminal justice system in Finland, but, uh, you know, a lot of times, you don't really have time, especially if you don't have money for an attorney, you don't have time to really explain yourself. And 
you could take the risk of hoping people will believe you when you explain yourself or you can just accept a you know a plea deal of sorts got it so there's probably certain social restraints that probably keep them like that right so they throw the book at him and he gets like a year in prison or something or i don't remember yeah it's not i don't it's it's a while but it's not like super long i don't think it wasn't super long which is is taisto despite letting bygones be got bygones and do whatever he he's a little impatient Oh, and there was one scene I did want to talk about. He he takes the convertible and his and the girl and the kid out one day, and they go and they they have like a day off together. And he's just laying in this stream with all his clothes on, and every and I thought that was really interesting. They, like they put a blanket down on this like rocky spot, mm-hmm. and his jeaned pants. Yeah, so everybody's racing their cars around outside today. <laughs> Um, he puts his his jeans and his shoes are just like hanging out in the water, and I and he's just smoking a cigarette, listening to his radio, and I felt like that was just like a another interesting way to describe the character that he's just like yeah whatever I'll put my legs in the water I don't I don't care yeah but that was back before so uh, he's in prison now and. He's his the girl was in the court and she's sad, uh, so he goes to prison, and they take him to his they take all his stuff which isn't really all that much, and he gets what I think is pretty pajama looking uh, prison clothes. Everybody's got these like black outfits with red stripes, which if that's what Finland does, cool. Um, I mean, we we do orange. Or... Yeah, they do their own thing. Yeah, but I mean that kind of helps if you're going to escape this black outfit. That yeah, you already look cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, it doesn't scream criminal to me. It screams leisure wear. But yeah. he's uh, he meets his new roommate, and they just stare at each other for a minute, and then his roommate puts his glasses on, and they're like thick frame glasses. And he throws them cigarettes and a lighter, and I think that's their way of saying like, "All right, we're f- I'm a, I'm fine, I'm a good guy, whatever." And uh, I think they become fast friends. The other guy, uh, well, not super fast. I think they're a little uneasy about each other at first. Mm-hmm. But the the other guy does see Taisto in the the shop room or whatever where they have all the machinery tools taisto makes a wedding ring for this girlfriend and the other guy sees that he's doing that and i think that's when he starts to see like taisto is not a bad guy and we can be good friends uh and the girl comes and visits him with the kid and in prison and she says to the kid i'm going to talk with taisto you go play in the hall so like i'm not you're five years old go play in the hall at this prison while i talk with my boyfriend and taisto says let's get married you do the paperwork and he pulls the ring out that he hid in his mouth um that he made in the shop and gives it to her and she says all right cool and then he's talking back with his new buddy in prison and i don't know his name i forget i'm gonna call him mustache or i thought oh mcconan 
Yeah, McConan. Yeah. Uh, which he's I was my favorite like, character. Oh, he's great. He's fantastic. <laughs> and McConan, I was curious, did his name get called to go in the forklift group? There was a lot of names called, but I, I don't know. Oh, maybe. maybe. But I, I know it wasn't him because he was in prison. But Well, it could have been. He just recently got in prison. I thought he had been in prison. Oh, okay. Yeah, he did say maybe he was I'm there wrong. for a while. He did say he was there for a while. Um, so they're talking, and McConan eventually says that he's in prison for manslaughter. But he's a little vague about it. He's like, I'm innocent. God knows I'm innocent, but you could say I was responsible for the murder. That's actually my favorite line of the movie, and I wrote it down. Um, he says, eight years for manslaughter, but I'm innocent. And then um, uh, he goes, are you? And he goes, well, at least in the eyes of God. In a way, I did kill him, but the truth is I didn't. The result was the same. He died, and I was sent here. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that, I feel like that's a pretty good uh, summary of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it got me thinking that line because I was thinking like when I when I pull the trigger to shoot somebody am I the one who kills them or is it physics and the bullet and everything and it's like well this will get into the larger conversation I guess you could wrap up the okay. summary right. um, wrap up the summary so they're talking about breaking out of prison and McConan says oh it's easy to break out it's hard to stay broken out um, cause somebody's going to catch you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they definitely want to get out. And then the little kid who was reading comic books all the time, we, they cut to the, the kid and the lady and they're hanging out on the shore. Maybe they were hanging out where they used to hang out with Taisto. The kid is reading a comic book and in the comic book, the superhero breaks, uh, somebody out of prison and he shows it to his mom. A couple shots later, the lady is at the prison, and she's she says, I have a gift for Taisto. It's his birthday. Um, but Taisto is in solitary confinement because one of the prison guards told him to have sex with a mop. And he was apparently so mad about it that he threw the prison guard down uh, over a ledge and broke his jaw. So they put him in solitary. And they the prison people say to the lady, uh, I don't care if it's his birthday. He's in solitary. You can't see him until he's out. Come back Sunday. And, and she says, can you just give this to him? Um, it's his birthday. So it's a cake and it's a book, like a comic book or something. I don't know. Uh, and the prison guards cut up the cake to make sure nothing's in it. And when Taisto gets out of solitary, he comes back to find that McConan has started eating his cake, which I think is kind of shitty move on McConan's part it was in his birthday and he, yeah. he he apologizes and he said he's got a sweet tooth in his old age or whatever uh the other thing is McConan said he was 37 and i was like that guy's not 37 he's like gotta be in his 40s or mm-hmm. something um but he's he's well, smoking ages here <laughs> yeah, that's that could be it so uh Taisto says, it's not my birthday. And McConan's like, ah, if it's not your birthday, then why is she giving you this gift? And they start scrambling through the cake and shaking out the book to see if there's anything in it. Eventually, a hacksaw falls out, just the the blade of the hacksaw. And they uh, cut up their bedpost to make a weapon. 
play loud music at night. The guard comes and they hit him over the head with the bed post and but they set him up nice with a pillow and they escape and jump in the water and the police are chasing after them, but they get out. Both McConan and Tysto. And they had talked about going to Brazil or Mexico, Tysto said, because you have to... Um, that was a big part. McConan says that, like, if you're going to escape, you got to get out of Finland. You have to go to a different place that's not going to ex- extradite you. So M- Tysto says, like, Brazil or Mexico, he wants to go to. So they get out, and as they're going... Um, oh, that was another thing McConan said that I thought was interesting. He said... If I'm out, I'm probably going to kill somebody, like, right away. (laughs) And I was like, that's an interesting thing to say. Why did he say that? Um, Yeah. Because, like... Well, that's who he is. Yeah, I guess that's who he is. But he's 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 the funniest guy because he just seems so, like, normal and, like, kind of like a dweeb a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Because he's got his thick glasses and long hair and a mustache. He's just a really interesting... He's got a... Very cool murderer. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. Cool. So they're running away and they see some really cool duds at a very fashionable store and they throw something through the window. So immediately they break out and cause a crime right off the bat. Um, right. And they steal the clothes and they look good after that. They look so cool. Tyson's got like a cool suit on. He's got sunglasses and McConan is wearing some like velvet pants that are like shiny uh and they need to get passports they go to the passport guy and what i was curious about is it looked like the guy that they talked to to get passports may have been the other guy that was part of hitting tysto over the head in the beginning of the movie yeah was that the case it was like a tall looking guy um so they go to get passports and and they say it costs X amount of money, and they say we don't have the money, but if you give us a gun and a car, we can get the money. So they do. They give them the gun and the car. They go. They rob a bank. Um, McConan is – they get a, lot, a good amount of money. They go back. McConan says, I'm going to go in and get the passports. I don't trust these guys. And uh, he um, – goes in there and they say we don't want half the money anymore we want all the money that you stole and then McConan grabs a bottle and breaks it and says no i'm taking all the money and while he's collecting the money another the tall guy that brought him to the passports takes a knife out and stabs McConan. tysto's out in the car it's been a while um oh there was this one scene that we forgot to mention is Oh, wait, I didn't forget to mention it yet. It hasn't happened. Uh, so Tysto is like, huh, what's going on? And, oh, wait, I did forget to mention it. They go and they get the Cadillac back, or the convertible. He, They get the, the convertible back, and the convertible is set, listed for $75,000, which was... No, I think it was seventy five. like, wait, was it? I thought it was $75,000 to say, like, that guy lied to him and was selling it for way more than he even... Uh, I mean, it wasn't $75,000. It was whatever in the... Oh, well, in Finnish money? $75,000 yeah, like, Finnish yeah. dollars? Yeah. So they get the, they steal the convertible back from the guy they, and says deals off or whatever. Uh, cut to the president. McConan stabbed 
Tyso takes the gun, shoots the two guys. McConan, uh, they load him into the tr- the convert. Oh, he calls his girlfriend. They come and they they're gonna help McConan and try to get him in the hospital. McConan says that's a bad idea. You guys just get out of town. Don't worry about me. They put him in the back of the convertible, and he says, "What's this button?" And he presses it, and the roof of the convertible closes. <laughs> and it was like man, slowly. <laughs> yes, very slow. Interesting scene. It's slowly closing. He says, "Bury me somewhere." They bury him. He tells them about this boat that they need to go to. Uh, they collect the kid. They go to the boat. The boat's name is Ariel. Movie ends. Mm-hmm. He, he jumps on the Ariel. Um, so I guess, did I ask you your first impression? I don't know if you really delved into it. What was your immediate reaction? It reminded me a lot of the movies I watched when I was younger that are just like a lot of visual gags and stuff that my parents okay. would have me watch. Um, but it also reminded me of The Stranger, which is a book I read, where the like a existentialist book where the guy's just yeah. like doing whatever. Mm-hmm. And then what was your kind of take after kind of stewing on it and thinking about it? Like what 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 do you what, what did you walk away with at, at first? Um I mean, the just doing whatever you want. I I don't know. Some things that stuck out to me, maybe that rather than walk away with, is like Tysto kind of becomes more and more tough as time goes on, and mm-hmm. less letting things happen to him and more making things happen for himself. Right. As the okay. movie uh, progresses. Um, well, you've touched a lot of yeah. on like. Uh, you you did catch on to a lot of things that are kind of consistent in Aki Karazmaki movies. Um, he frequently writes kind of these kind of dreadful comedies, so to speak. Um, it's the lowest class of people usually in really tough positions. Um, for example, this is the second film in his quote unquote uh, uh, proletariat trilogy. Uh, which I looked up to get the exact definition. And proletariat um, was a word given to the lowest class of citizens in ancient Rome. Uh, so, but you did also touch upon like just like it's these comedy dramas with like existential themes, and it's uh, it it does touch upon things that you caught on. Um, he has a very nihilistic point of view um maybe not nihilistic but he's very um i guess he doesn't think good things will happen to people most of the time so it's usually Mm. just a series of just bad things happening to people uh but it's not just to punish a character or so to speak it's usually um he's, he's a very social filmmaker like He's a little. He's been a little more optimistic in recent years, kind of dealing with themes of uh, European society on like the refugee crisis and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But like in these early movies of his, it really has to do with um, society's treatment of the lower class and mm-hmm. this kind of uh, yeah. this external pressure people in poverty kind of have. Right. Um, so like if you. 
like watching the movie when you go through all these things are kind of external forces that just one after another just bury him deeper deeper until he's pretty much in prison uh right you know his mental health of his father the local factory closing um even the day laborer that that are using these day laborers illegally and most yeah. things just kind of perpetuate and spin, spiral out of control to the point where, like, is his actions, a, um, like, what I came away from the movie is, are his actions a result of his personality or were these societal uh, restraints that forced him into this position overall? So that was a big question that I had. Uh, like... Hold on. Well, I, I um, don't know. And also, I, it's I would guess it's a fatalistic approach to things, of not being able to really determine your own destiny, uh, especially if you don't have money. Totally. And that, that, that definitely came through. Okay. Um, and then one thing I did look up was Ariel just as because i didn't know what the i knew it was like a greek myth but i didn't really know exactly of it and there's a lot of different interpretations um the some works have used it as uh, an example of ariel being in uh kind of the rebel angel so i would i kind of took it as you have the series of societal constraints pressurizing uh, a lower class person, um, basically just submitting them into conformity, into just complete nothingness. And his escape from prison is his rebellion. So that's when things start to actually turn around. That's when the hood yeah. of the convertible goes up. That's when he gets his family. That's when he gets out of this imprisonment, like literally gets out of it just on a boat. Got it. So um, the lesson there is that when you rebel against the forces of power or whatever, the good things will happen? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it could be a lot of things. Uh, like, I think it asks a lot of questions like, uh, are we supposed to accept our own guilt in certain things? You know, like that quote of his, you know, uh, in the eyes of God uh, in a way, I did kill him, but the truth is I didn't. The result was the same. Like, you can't take personal perspective, or most people won't take personal perspective, um, like, as the matter of fact. They take the results of what happened. And while, like, even in America, the thing is, it's always a judge of character. But yes. we never... We, we judge characters but by their actions, but we don't really judge them by the societal impact that causes those actions. You know, if, if we look yeah. at, like, what poverty really, like, is or why crime happens, crime is basically just a result of poverty. So we don't like to look at it as working with, uh, like, ways of fixing <clears throat> crime. We should really look at it in fixing poverty because that's what causes crime. Yeah, uh, but if you don't so, have, if, like, poverty is cool because that makes it so that some people can have a lot of money. Yeah. 
if you <laughs> if otherwise everybody would have roughly similar amounts yeah of that. that's true everyone would be making podcasts <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh well, what a meta meta commentary on our own podcast uh, no, but like, I guess it's the age old question, you know, does the society make the criminal or does the criminal just naturally like is like is a person naturally evil or are there external elements that make them that way? And I think that's really what the movie's about. Like, I think that's what it is. It's a series of repetitious acts, like furthering, pressuring someone until basically they have to steal. They have to kill. Like, right he kills two people in the movie, but do you, you know why he kills them? Like he beats a guy up in the subway, but you know why he did that. Right. The way that society looks at it, they just look at someone that committed manslaughter that killed two people that escaped to prison and robbed a bank. Totally. I mean, motive is supposed to be like a way of understanding why things happened. Um, but like a lot of those pressures to reduce the crimes that are presented in the movie could have been lifted if you give help to those in society that need it the most. Yeah. It's interesting that we, in a lot of societies we want, we're like, it's okay to be poor, mm-hmm. but it's not okay to like steal or hit somebody. Yeah. So we'll we'll architect our society to allow for there to be right. poorness, right? But punish those other. Well, things. that's what the thing is. Is it by design or like? I mean, it's just basically people making money. So like, um, if those who have more money keep society that have the influence the way it is, keep those external pressures on people to keep in this cycle of bad behavior because it's just a cash, like, like, like what you said, um, he's very loose with his money. He's not loose, but he, he'll spend it when he wants to, he spends it when he needs to, but he's not getting that money back like that. It's just basically like a cleansing of a person just to squeeze the most money out of them. And then he spirals into that same situation again. So you're, he's basically just someone who works, spends money, works, spends money, and is the system designed to keep people in that sort of uh, rhythm to where they're always doing that and where there is no social mobility, there is no upward advancement? The only way he can advance and get out is by robbing a bank. Now that scene where he's drunk at the party, I wonder if that's meant to mean more. Could be. Because, I mean, he was sitting there with all those drinks, and it was, like, the manufactured, like, commercial enjoyment. Yeah. And, versus... like, his, his, his neighbor, who was very careful with the photo of God, um, I mean, God is, it's more of a, uh, like, look at, he's in this desperate situation, and really that photo of God is all he has. <laughs> like, hmm. I don't know. But... Yeah, now I really, really want to know who, who the and then, photo of the other guy is. And then the movie ends with Somewhere Over the Rainbow. <laughs> yeah, that was in, But sung in Finnish. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's kind of 
asking those sorts of questions, or at least that's what I noticed it this time when I was watching it. Um, well, I definitely uh, didn't pick up on that stuff. I mean, I, I, I very small picked up on it, but it wasn't the major signals that came out. Well, I noticed when you do your summary or your descriptions, you like to pick certain moments. Mm-hmm. You And you'll be like, what's this photo mean? You like to... Yeah. What does this... What does this one thing really mean? And I'm kind of looking at it as a grand scale of events that happen throughout ah, the film. That's a good, uh, good insight. And then when you do that, like when you kind of look at a grand scope of like what have what's the overall trajectory and what does it mean for this character? What's the kind of the overall theme of the movie? Then you can start to pinpoint those locations and then either associate them to that, or there maybe something additional, or there's something else. That's interesting. So I think if you want to learn what that photo means, think about what it means as a whole and then apply it. To, like, how would that apply to that? That might help me um, understand movies maybe. I know that you're not supposed to understand it the way that somebody intended kind of thing, but right. at least I'll be closer to the same page and in the same conversation with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Aki Karismaki, really funny guy uh he's he if you had to imagine what he like acts or look at like he just he's just like a guy with a cigarette and like very like i don't like to do things and <laughs> the world so he's, is pointless he's <laughs> yeah he's no he's like a uh like a lower volume tysto i think uh really tysto is pretty laid back yeah i i i think um I don't know. I, I just feel like Aki Karismaki like looks at the the worst in society pretty much always. Yeah, I didn't think They're there like, was at much least the worst in human behavior. Taisto didn't really seem to have much going on in his head. Yeah, he doesn't think about things because he doesn't really have time to think about things. He just does things through. Like, that's the whole movie is him just do a series of events do like right from the get go. It's just he's on. Honestly, it didn't really seem like he thought about anything until they were planning the escape. Right. But now he actually, it's his one time where he really has a real life motive to advance himself. Yeah. Where before he's this kind of drifter. Actually, it was the making of the ring, I think, was the moment where he's actually trying to do something. Good point. Yeah. That was a key moment. Anyways... What do you th- what do you think overall? Would you watch another Aki Karismaki movie? I w- would. Well, that's not next week's movie, so don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Um, should we talk about next week's movie? Sure. Um, I thought in fitting, and this is, I'm just I'm just, I'm throwing an easy one out there for you. Uh, for charades okay or wait is there a scoreboard to this did you come away with anything uh i think the biggest you don't have to give me a point i should give you a point because the biggest thing is you you you're like my coach which is the goal here and you 
pinpointed that I'm I'm working from the bottom up instead of the top down and in, in, uh, in okay. terms of looking at so these there movies. is a there's a uh, therapeutic breakthrough in your understanding of how to look at movies well I mean you basically told me <laughs> I'm looking at at life wrong uh, oh yeah no, no I'm just kidding <laughs> uh, <laughs> you basically ruined my life <laughs> no it, it, I mean that I'm gonna try that in the in the subsequent movies, and that might actually be a big breakthrough in how I've been looking at at art in general. Okay. I get I maybe am getting too hung up on specific things that, on their own, could go in 800 different directions. Mm-hmm. But when you're piecing it into the larger picture, it makes more sense. Right. I mean, I think most movies kind of have a con- like a theme strung throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, whether I'm right or wrong about the theme, that's the whole part about the move. Like a movie is like, it's up to you. You can make it whatever you, for all we know, Aki Karismagi didn't intend any of that. <laughs> what I just said, <laughs> but like, that's the cool part of it is that it doesn't, I don't care. <laughs> I care how I look at it. Cause I have a point of view and what you that, should too. You don't that, have to look at it like how I described it. But. Well, what you're describing makes sense like the pieces line up okay well let's get to next week's movie i'm throwing an easy one at you in terms of charade points uh i mentioned that i mentioned this filmmaker last week well not last week week but like last time we recorded an episode <laughs> okay uh big clue I called him the American version of this director. Oh. You like one of his movies, and this movie that I picked did uh, was released in the last five or so years. Uh, Lars von Trier? No, I said American version of Aki Karismaki. American version of Aki Karismaki. Well, I called Aki Karismaki the Finnish version of this director. If I Can I just keep playing until I guess the director at least? Sure. Um, you liked his movie about vampires. Oh. You're talking about Interview with a Vampire. <laughs> uh, Jim Jar- Jarmusch. Yes, it is a Jim Jarmusch movie. Oh, the and movie is Jim Jarmusch. One. Oh, you're saying Aki Karismaki is the Finnish Jim Jarmusch, or that's what I call him. Jim Jarmusch is the United States. Itch Aki I Karismaki. feel like they're very actually. Um, you know the 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 guy who played his cellmate appeared in a Jim Jarmusch movie. Uh, he he appeared in Mystery Train or no, not Mystery Train. Um, Night on Earth he was in, which he shot part of in uh, Finland. I don't know if I'm wrong about this, but I don't think of Jim Jarmusch as a director. I just feel like he's a guy who wakes up every morning. It's like, what am I going to do today? And sometimes mm-hmm. movies come out of that. Yeah, that's okay. a very okay. Um, and I'm picking them because I actually never like I've seen good. I've seen most of his, if not all of his movies, uh, but I'd like to actually like pay attention and like think of it in terms of this context of what is it kind of getting at. So that's why I picked it. 
Um, do you want to guess the movie? It stars someone that was in Star Wars. Okay. So Jar Jar Binks is in this. Mm-hmm. Jar Jar Binks is sitting around smoking cigarettes. <laughs> Who would be in a Jim Jarmusch movie that was in Star Wars? He is played it, the bad guy. It's recent? Mm-hmm. Is it The Dead Don't Die? No. This was the movie before that. And it's got Kylo Ren in it? Correct. Because I vaguely remember seeing a poster with him and it said Jim Jarmusch on it. You want to give me another clue? Sure. Uh, Adam Driver is in it. And he <laughs> and he plays a bus driver. This isn't Speed. Oh, yeah. I forgot Jim Jarmusch remade Speed. And Adam Driver Where plays they, Sandra Bullock. Yeah, and they just pull over every 20 minutes to have a cigarette and talk about life. <laughs> God, I, I have... I don't know the name of this movie. Uh, the name of the movie, I think it was 2016 it was released. It, it's called Patterson. Okay. Uh, where he plays the uh, character Patterson. I think that is his name. But it also takes place in the city of Patterson, New Jersey, where he plays a bus driver. Um, Got it. He's a poet who works as the city bus driver, and that's the movie. I won't let. Mm. I won't give any more away. Uh it's, I would describe it as a very calming movie. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I could well, use we'll that. leave it at that. Yeah, it's a very, uh, I think you'll like it. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But anyways, we'll be watching Patterson next week. So what do you think? Um, I am intrigued. I like Adam Driver, and I did like that vampire movie a lot. Cause I, I think the... Yeah, this was right after the vampire movie, yeah. Got it. The vampire movie basically to me was like the theme was wouldn't it be cool to be a vampire? And I thought it mm-hmm. was cool to be a vampire. Well, if you thought it was cool to be a vampire, wouldn't you think it's cool to be a bus driver? A poet bus driver. A poet bus driver? Uh, I guess I will find out if it, I think it's cool. Yeah. And it's our first uh, English movie. Or American movie. Yeah, I would say American. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm excited right. to not have to read subtitles. Yeah. Um, but it's just as slow as both of the movies that I presented to you, so you're not getting away that easy. <laughs> well, if it's if it's a similar slow vibe as the vampire movie, I, I'll like this one. Okay, cool. All right, we'll see you next week. Sweet. Thanks for listening. I'm excited. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, uh, Google Play Store, Spotify, Pocket cast. That's if we get it set up in time. We don't even have a website yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got to do that. All right. We'll do that first. Not All one right, person thanks. has listened to our show yet. I know. This is the, <laughs> and we're, this is the third this is episode the... we've recorded, but we haven't posted the first two. <laughs> yes. We haven't even finished the second episode. I think we should just keep it. recording them and never release them. All right. I mean, honestly... The episodes of this show we've made are my favorite ones, and no one's listened to them yet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You can uh, hear our next episode, Patterson, next, well, two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. 
All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. See ya. Bye.